Welcome everybody to this session, this class. Um, I think there's quite a few new people here today. Um, Are you? And then you'll have a better football team as well. Can you? Uh, well, everyone, please. Yeah, thanks. So, this is what we're starting today, Mammoth Task. It's the first time I'm taking the, the Gita class. So let's see how it goes. Before we um, start, I think it's better if give some background to how the Gita came about. Why was the Gita given to Arjuna by Krishna? We need to learn a bit about the background. Yeah. Can everyone make sure that their um, microphone is on mute, please? So we don't get any interference. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll do an introduction to Gita today's class and then take it from there. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do maybe a verse or two. Some of you probably have seen the Mahabharata on TV, read about it. I'm just going to cover the events that, lead to, that led to the knowledge of the Gita. The philosophy of the Gita 18 chapters, 700 verses, is given in the center of the Mahabharata. The whole Mahabharata is a piece of literature, drama, created by Sage Vyasa. Sage Vyasa is also known to have compiled the Upanishads, a giant intellect. So he had the freedom to use his imagination creatively to make, to make his point. So if you hear things and you think, how, how is that possible? Remember, it's a drama, imagination, like a book. Now, the Mahabharata, even though it is a piece of literature, it was probably based on some historic events that may have happened, certain characters that may have been around. And it's based on two brothers, Dhridrashtra and Pandu. You'll hear this name a lot, Dhridrashtra and Pandu, part of the royal family, the Kuru clan. Now, one of them had to be crowned king of Hastinapur. Dhridrashtra was the eldest. He should have been the king, but unfortunately he was blind. And for a person to be king, king, he had to have his full faculties. That was the law. 
These were the rules of the kingdom. The role of a king is difficult enough as it is. And when you're handicapped, it makes it even more difficult. So instead, Pandu became the king, the younger brother. Now, Pandu's character was such, he was a very good human being. He respected his elder brother. He gave him the full status of as if he was king. That's how much respect he gave to Tristra. Pandu fulfilled his role as a king perfectly. He conquered many different neighboring lands, brought in much riches, made Hastinapur great. Everything was, everyone was happy in Hastinapur. Now, Pandu had two wives, Kunti Mata and Madri Mata. And what happened was one day they went to the forest to hunt. And Pandu, without thinking, he shot an arrow at two deers that were playing in the forest and he killed one of them. These deers were actually a rishi and his wife. They were able to change themselves to deers. And when Pandu killed the rishi's wife, they instantly turned back into human form. And the rishi was angry. He cursed Pandu. And the curse was that Pandu could never have an intimate relationship with his wives. And if he did, he would instantly meet his own death. That was the curse. After this event, he went back to Hastinapur, Pandu and his two wives. And he was so upset that he renounced his whole kingdom. He felt terrible for what he'd done. He was a righteous person. And he and his wives went to the forest to live a simple, aesthetic life. Pandu was very upset that he could not have any children because if he became close to his wife, he would die. Now, fortunately, Kunti Mata, previously due to her great service to sage Durvasas in the past, she had been given a mantra as a blessing. This mantra allowed her to call upon any God to bless her with a son, with children. So with the permission from Pandu, she called upon a God and had three sons. Dharmaputra was the eldest, known as Yudhishthira. He'll be known as Yudhishthira in the whole of the Kitab. Second, Bhima and third, Arjuna. Those were the three sons of Kunti Mata. Then using the same mantra, she helped Madri Mata to have twins, Nakula and Sahadeva. So these are Pandu's five sons called the Pandavas. Once again, we'll be referring to them throughout the Gita. These are the five sons of Pandu. These are Pandu's five sons called the Pandavas. Remember, this is a story. Pandu, after some time, could not resist the temptation and approached Madri Mata. 
and the Rishi's curse took effect and he died instantly. Madrimata, because she felt responsible for Pandu's death, she also committed sati, took her own life. See, in the olden days, this was common. When the husband dies, the wife also takes her own life. So, what happens? Kuntimata took her five sons and left the forest and went back to Hastinapur. There, she gave the boys to the elders of the Kuru clan, where they were accepted as the sons of Pandus, Pandu. They were accepted as the rightful heirs of the kingdom. Everyone with me? Am I going too fast? Is it okay? Yeah, great. There in Hastinapur, the young boys grew up. They were given their education. They learned about different forms of warfare, archery, sword fighting, learning right from wrong. Dronacharya, known as Drona, in the whole of the Gita will be referring to him as Drona, was their teacher, a master of warfare. Now, Dhritarashtra, remember him, the elder brother of Pandu, the blind brother. He had 100 sons. 100 sons. And they were known as the Kauravas. They were also taught together with Pandus, with the Pandus five sons. They all learned together, grew up together. When they became adults, Yudhishthira, the eldest son of Pandu, was entrusted with ruling the kingdom. His crowned king of Hastinapur. Yudhishthira ruled the kingdom based on dharma. Righteousness. The Pandu brothers were all very, very righteous, very dharmic. When he ruled, he was fair with everyone. All the people living in Hastinapur were very happy. But this is where all the problems started. The eldest son of the Kauravas, Duryodhana, we'll be hearing his name quite often as well. He was a very jealous person. Even when they were children, growing up, he always disliked the Pandavas. He hated Arjuna the most. See, if you evaluate his way of thinking, he had some reason to feel this way. His father, being the elder brother, would, if he was not blind, have been king. And if he was, then today Duryodhana would have been king. So he had this ill feeling towards the Pandavas. He felt that they were the cause why he was not the ruler. So he can have some sympathy to him. So he and his brothers always made trouble for the Pandavas. Playing pranks on them, being disrespectful. Duryodhana had this evil trait in him. This was his nature. The Kauravas represents unrighteousness. 
Kund Pandavas represents righteousness. Good, bad. Now, the Pandavas knew how Duryodhana and his brothers were. They were always creating problems for the five brothers. But the Pandavas, Pandavas treated Duryodhana and his brothers with respect because they were good people, high moral values. So, what happened? Duryodhana started scheming with his uncle, Sakuni, how to get rid of the Pandavas. How can we take the kingdom? They even made an attempt once to burn them alive, but they were unsuccessful. So the Pandavas thought, okay, enough is enough. So what did they do? They divided the kingdom in two. Gave one part to Duryodhana and his brothers, and they took the other part. The Kauravas took the best half, the developed part of Hastinapur, and the Pandavas had the undeveloped part. You can say the desert. Nothing was there. But the Pandavas, because they were good people, everyone came to help them. All the neighboring states, even Lord Krishna came and helped them best architects, and they developed an amazing city, which they called Indrapastra. You don't have to remember all these things. This is just to give you some understanding of why the battle happened. Yeah. So in a short time, they made Indrapastra more successful than Hastinapur. Everyone wanted to move to live under the Pandavas because they were good people. So, what happens? Duryodhana goes there and sees what the Pandavas have created. And that trait of jealousy, I want Indraprastra. I want to be here. This should be part of mine. So, once again, they start scheming. Duryodhana, his brothers, his uncles, Sakuni, they devise a plan. Let's invite Yudhishthira and his brothers to a game of dice. They knew Yudhishthira had a weakness for dice. So they said, let's pull them over. Now, Sakuni also, you can imagine, he was not a nice person, he was immoral. And the plan was, he would play on behalf of Duryodhana. He was going to cheat. So Yudhishthira and his brothers went to play dice. In those days, if somebody invited you, it would be rude not to go. You know, they, they had this sort of, uh, um, how can I standard they had to live by. So they, they went. They went to play dice. Dice were loaded by Sakuni. And with each throw of the dice, Sakuni won. The Pandavas were goaded to play for higher and higher stakes until they had given away their city, all their wealth, everything they owned. They lost everything. Draupadi, the wife of the five brothers, was also there. 
And Sakuni said to Yudhishthira, you have nothing left to bet. Wager your wife, Draupadi, and if you, if you win, I will give everything back to you. Now, in those days, a woman, uh, a woman was considered a man's wealth. Yeah. So Yudhishthira foolishly bets Draupadi. And what happens? You all know they lose. So now they have lost everything. Nothing left to bet. That's why gambling, drinking is a vice. It can devastate your life. If you have a strong desire for these things, you have to be very careful. This highlights why. If you have control over them, it's okay. But if you don't, then this is what can happen. So now they've lost everything, including Draupadi. And what did the Kauravas do next? They started humiliating Draupadi in front of the Pandavas. They tried to disrobe her of her sari. The Pandavas were furious. Luckily, Krishna was there. Lord Krishna was there. What did he do? You may have all seen the picture. He made Draupadi's sari so long that no matter how much they took off, it never finished. That's the power of Lord Krishna. He couldn't see what was going on. So this is what he did. So seeing this humiliation, the Pandavas said, that's it. This is the last straw. Kauravas, you are all dead. We will not stand for this. We're going to kill you all. This is what the Pandavas said. Didrishtra, the father, heard this threat and got really scared for his sons. He said, no, please do not do this. I'm very sorry for their behavior. Property, please, I will get my sons to give everything back. Please tell them not to kill my sons. He tried to calm the whole situation down. He knew, Kaurava's father, Didrisha, knew that what had happened was wrong. What his son Duryodhana and Sakuni did was wrong. So he told Duryodhana, son, come on, this is not right. Give everything back. So they decided that they'll have one more game. If the Pandavas won, they would get everything back. But if they lost, they would have to go to the forest and live there for 12 years. That's what was at stake. And Duryodhana would rule the kingdom. But when they return, Duryodhana would have to give everything back. This was the bet. Pandavas agreed. But Duryodhana said, wait, one more thing. I agree to this, but after 12 years, they must come back and live in hiding for one year in the, in the city. And if any one of us finds a single Pandava brother, then they have to go back to the forest for another 12 years. That was what was at stake. 12 years in the forest, one year in the city. If anybody finds them, recognizes them, they have to go for another 12 years. If they didn't know smart, he thought I will easily find them and I will rule for another 12 years. 
So they all agreed. And of course, we know what happened. Pandavas lost again. Since Sakuni was cheating, how can you win against someone who's cheating? So the Pandavas packed their bags, righteous people, they accepted and went and lived in the forest for 12 years. After that, they came back, lived in society in disguise. Turidhan knew that 12 years were up and he sent all his trusted lieutenants to go and look for them. But they could not find a single Pandava brother in that whole year. Pandavas were also very smart. See, 12 years had passed. They no longer looked the same as when they did before. And plus they were, they had all the different makeup and everything on. So not only 12 years had passed, but they were in disguise. They couldn't rec be recognized. One year finished and they came back to the palace, the five Pandava brothers and said, okay, we have fulfilled our part now. We won our kingdom back. So what do you think Duryodhana said? What do you think Duryodhana said? Said, go to hell. You're not getting nothing back. It's mine. Go back to the forest. You're not getting nothing back. The elders, they tried to advise Duryodhana, look, do the right thing. But when you have been king and the ruler for 13 years, it's hard to give up. That power corrupts. You see all these presidents, prime ministers in the world, they get elected. They stay there forever. No matter what it, no matter what it takes, they stay there forever. Power corruption corrupts you. So, Duryodhana, Duryodhana, being the person here, said, forget it. If they want the kingdom back, then let them fight me and take it back. The Pandavas, they were not that way inclined. They don't want to kill. They're righteous people. They don't want to fight unnecessarily. So they said, we don't want war. Please, just give the kingdom back. We do not want to fight. Of course, Duryodhana didn't listen. So the Pandavas went to Lord Krishna and asked for his help. Now you've got to remember, Lord Krishna here, he is just a friend. They don't know he has power, wisdom. He's just a friend they grew up with. So the Pandavas went to Krishna and asked for his help. Please, Krishna, only you can put some sense into this madman. We don't want to fight and have a war. We are supposed to be dharmic, follow righteousness. War is not dharmic. Killing people is not dharmic. So Krishna went to Duryodhana. He was also Duryodhana's friend, by the way. They all grew up together. And said, come on, Duryodhana, they have fulfilled your request. Do the right thing now. Give them their land back. Give them their kingdom back. Duryodhana said, no. If they want it, let them fight me for it. And if they don't want to fight, then let them go back to the forest and live there. I will let them live there in peace. 
So Krishna says, okay, look, Duryodhana, they don't want to fight. You don't want to give the kingdom back. Fair enough. Let's come to some compromise. Let's come to compromise. Pandava said, we don't want to fight. Duryodhana doesn't want to give. Okay, let's come to some compromise. Give them one state with five districts. And you carry on ruling the kingdom. Duryodhana said, no. Okay. Give them one district with five counties. Duryodhana said, ain't happening. No way. Krishna says, okay. Tell you what. Give them one village with five houses. No, not even that. Okay, just give them one house with five rooms, anywhere in the kingdom. Duryodhana laughed and said, I won't even give them a needle point of land to them, not a single grain. Can you believe that? That's how evil he was. Not a single piece of land that would even fit on the top of a needle I won't give. So Krishna goes back. Now, what's happened? It's not about the kingdom anymore. It's about dharma, right and wrong. Obviously, Duryodhana is wrong. The nasty piece of work. Unrighteous person. Pandava stood for righteousness. Good. Duryodhana was evil. That was his nature. And the people of Hastinapur did not like him either. He was corrupt, killing, all sorts of bad things were happening in the state. So now it's no longer about the kingdom. It was the Pandava's job to bring back righteousness back in the land. So Krishna returns back and says, sorry, could not get Duryodhana to listen. You have two choices now to the Pandava brothers. You can either go back to the forest or you can fight. Now, you got to remember, the Pandavas are warriors, Kshatriyas. They learned about warfare. They know how to fight. So the Pandavas decided to fight, bring back righteousness in the land, and war is the king. We're coming up to it now. War is declared. Pandavas versus the Pandavas. So both sides now start rounding up troops from the neighboring states. Some are loyal to Duryodhana, some are loyal to the Pandavas. They took their sides, ready to fight this great battle. So Duryodhana went to Krishna for his help. He goes to Krishna's house and when he gets there, he finds Krishna sleeping. So he sat near the top of his head, head of the bed, and waited for him to get up. He didn't want to disturb him. Then Arjuna also came and saw Krishna was, came to Krishna's house and saw he was sleeping and he sat near his feet. He came also to ask for Krishna's help. When Krishna woke up, he saw Arjuna and then he saw Duryodhana and he said, what are you guys doing here? They both said, Krishna, we need your help. Krishna, Krishna had a very big army, by the way. Krishna was expecting them. 
He was friends with both Duryodhana and Arjuna. He expected that this was going to happen. So Krishna said, okay, I'll tell you what, both of you choose. One of you can have my army and the other can have me on their side. You choose. But whoever chooses me, I will come unarmed. I won't fight for them. I won't even pick up a sword or sing or shoot a single arrow. Nothing. I will just come as Krishna and that's it. And they both agreed. So Krishna says, okay, look, Arjuna, I saw you first when I woke up. I'll give you, I'll give you the first choice. And Arjuna straight away says, Krishna, I choose you. No hesitation. Duryodhana was very happy because he wanted Krishna's army. He was grinning, thinking, what's the point of having Krishna? He's not even going to fight. Just another extra mouth to feed. Also have to look after him, give him special attention. I just want his army, army. so they fight. But that's what happened. Krishna was on Arjuna's side and his army was on Duryodhana's side, Gaurava's side. Arjuna said, Krishna, okay, you won't fight, then you drive my chariot. And that's how Krishna became a charioteer. And you see his pictures in a chariot with Arjuna sitting in the back. Arjuna, Arjuna's brothers, the Pandavas, were all very happy that Krishna was on their side. Now, battle is about to begin. The Kauravas had 11 battalions and the Pandavas had nine battalions. And the way the battles were conducted in those days was that they had to follow certain rules, rules and regulations. A person in a chariot can only fight another person in a chariot. You start at 9 a.m. and you finish at 6 p.m., the war, each day. Thereafter, no fighting until the next day. These are like the rules. It gave each side a chance to take stock, re reassemble themselves, etc. So those are the rules they followed. War is about to begin. The morning of the war, six o'clock in the morning. Arjuna says, Krishna, please drive me to the center of the battlefield. I want to get some idea of how I should start the battle. Look at some strategy. Krishna drove the chariot between the two armies, right in the middle. And Arjuna looks at the other side and he sees the Kaurava's army all getting ready for battle. And what does he see? He sees all his friends, his cousins, he sees all his uncles, his gurus. Drona was on that side who taught him how to fight. His Guruji, all getting ready to fight this big, great battle. And the result of him seeing them, he's overcome with emotions and grief, and he collapses. Arjuna, Arjuna says to Krishna, I can't fight. I can't fight them. They're all my family. Let's go back. Tell Duridana he can keep the kingdom. I don't want it. I'll go back to the forest and live there. There's no way I'm going to fight. Because how can I fight? 
I'm fighting for all my cousins, my uncles and everyone. This battle is so that I can spend time with them. If I kill them, then what's the point? The other point. Krishna was like, what's happened to you? One minute you're ready to fight and now you're saying you don't want to fight. What's the matter with you? And you're a warrior. Fighting is your forte. That's what you were meant to do. And now you're saying you don't want to fulfill your own vasanas, your own desires. So Arjuna starts giving Krishna all the reasons why he's not going to fight. He just goes on and on. I can't fight. I don't want to fight. What's the point? Etc. Etc. And so in the whole of the first chapter of the Gita and up to verse 11 of chapter 2, Arjuna starts giving all his excuses why he doesn't want to fight. Krishna doesn't say a word to Arjuna. He just listens him blabbering on. Why doesn't Krishna say anything to Arjuna? Any idea? Arjuna is talking for 58 verses going on why he doesn't want to fight. Nilam. He almost needs to let him get it off his chest because he's not in a receptive place. Absolutely. Absolutely. No point Krishna saying anything because he's not going to understand. He's fully whole. It's so emotional. Knowledge is taken, never given. Remember that. Even now, when you take up this knowledge, which we're going to do, you shouldn't start giving advice to people unless they ask for it. Because they may not be receptive. Arjuna is not receptive. So, Krishna lets Arjuna carry on with his nonsense of why he can't fight until chapter 2, verse 10. Then Arjuna then surrenders to Krishna and says, I'm confused. I don't know what to do. Please help me, Krishna. Only when Arjuna is completely surrendered to Krishna did Krishna speak. And this is when the teachings of Lord Krishna begins. So, in a lot of cases, when one teaches the Gita, they begin with chapter 2. They don't take up the first chapter because there's no philosophy. Yeah, it's just Arjuna talking. But we're going to begin from, we're going to begin, we're going to start from the beginning. So Krishna spoke words of wisdom to Arjuna for 17 chapters, 650 verses he spoke to Arjuna. Then in the end of the last chapter, 18th chapter, Krishna says to Arjuna, I have spoken. I've told you what to do. Now it's up to you. You want to fight, you fight. You don't want to fight, it's up to you. With Krishna's teachings, Arjuna wakes up from his confusion. And he says, thank you, Krishna. You have cleared all my fears. My confusion is gone. You've given me clarity with your wisdom. And then Arjuna fights the Kauravas, and we all know what happens. He wins the battle and takes over the kingdom of Hastinapur. Brings back righteousness to the people and society. So the implication of this, this is that we are all great heroes until something happens to us in life. 
Are we equipped to deal with whatever life throws at us? Or do we collapse like Arjuna? Because these things will happen to us at some stage in life. Look, what did Arjuna have to do? He had to fight a war, kill people, cousins, uncles, gurus. What is our petty problems that we have? Do we have anything like such problems such as what Arjuna had? Krishna's help, he overcame the huge problem and he did what he had to do. So by us learning this knowledge, this philosophy, when we have any issues, petty problems, it can help us to deal with that as well. This is the whole purpose of studying the Gita. So we're equipped and have the knowledge and wisdom, the highest philosophy, by the way, in life to deal with whatever problems we have. And I assure you now, okay, I've been studying this subject for a few years, that it is the most important thing you could ever learn in your life. Any issues you have in life, by studying this subject, the Gita, you'll overcome them. Any grief you have, you'll overcome them. I'll give you my guarantee for that. We may not need to fight a war like Arjuna, but we have such internal battles, challenges that we're confronted with in life. Ill health, death in the family, grief, business issues, family problems. How do we deal with them? So hopefully, just like Arjuna, after receiving this knowledge from Krishna, he was able to pull himself together and fight. We can also benefit from this teaching to deal with our issues in life. So what's the difference between Krishna and Arjuna? Anyone? What's the difference between Krishna and Arjuna? Aruna Ben. I think uh, Krishna is the voice of objectivity and uh, uh, Arjuna in this instance is the voice of emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And also Krishna had a highly developed intellect. He had identified with the self, the Atman. He understands the truths of life. Self-realized person, Arjuna is not. You remember, Arjuna and Krishna were childhood friends. They grew up together, they were buddies. Arjuna did not know that Krishna had, was a spiritual person, that he had this knowledge. Arjuna had no idea. So Arjuna had no clue that Krishna had this knowledge and wisdom and that Krishna could even help him. So Krishna had a tough job convincing Arjuna. And as we said, he, Arjuna was in no state to receive this knowledge. Battle was about to begin. It's difficult to help someone when they're grieving, they're confused. So to wake Arjuna up, Krishna gave out the highest knowledge in the Gita, in chapter 2. 72 verses of the highest philosophy 
And of course, Arjan did not understand a word of it. Why do you think Krishna gave the highest philosophy of the Gita in chapter two, even though he knew Arjuna would not understand it? Any idea? Any idea? Anyone? Because, as we said, Arjuna didn't know Krishna had this knowledge, this philosophy. He did that to demonstrate that I have this understanding, I have this knowledge, I can help you, Arjuna. This is what I know. And that's why he did that. We may not even be able to understand chapter two in the depth, but we, but with our explanation, with my explanation, we will understand it. So by verse 54 of chapter 2, Arjuna asks a question to Krishna. What is a self-realized person like? The battle is about to start and they could be killed within hours. And he asks an irrelevant question. And that demonstrated to Krishna that Arjuna is still confused. So he continues with the highest philosophy for another 18 verses. Then only in the beginning of chapter three, does Arjuna says, okay, tell me what I, what I should do. Should I fight or not? I don't understand what you're saying, Krishna. Just tell me, should I fight or should I not fight? I'm confused. And he surrenders to Krishna. And then from chapter three, Krishna starts from the beginning and systematically conveys this great knowledge to Arjuna in a clear, concise way. And we have the benefit of that. In fact, you know, after the battle was over and Arjuna won, he went up to Krishna and says, you know, you spoke all these great words to me while before the battle. I must say, I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> but it was just to give him that strength to fight the battle. He was a warrior. He wasn't a thinker. But he was able to fulfill what he needed to do. So this is the background. Any questions before we start this epic? Okay, so the way the Gita is narrated, yeah, is Didrishtha, father of the Kauravas, was based in Hastinapur, in the capital. And the battle was in Kurukshetra, far away. So Sage Vyasa, who authored this Mahabharata in the uh, story, he offered Didrishtra temporary sight to be able to see the battle that takes place. Remember, Didrishtra was blind, but Sage Vyasa offered him the ability to watch the battle, but he refused. He knew deep down that his sons were going to lose because Krishna was on the other side of the side of the Pandavas. He had that feeling. He knew what Krishna was capable of. But he was so infatuated with his sons that he could not think clearly. He could have stopped the battle. Vidrisha could have stopped the, stopped the battle if he told his sons, that what you're doing is wrong. But in some way, he was happy the way they were behaving. 
because deep down he also felt cheated for not being king. So Dhritarashtra said, look, I don't think I can watch the battle, but give it to my right-hand man, Sanjaya, my advisor, and he can tell me what's going on. Yeah, this is how the Gita is narrated. So Sanjaya was given the power to view the battle and comment, comment on it to Dhritarashtra. This is how the Gita is narrated. It's like you're watching the Olympic Games on TV. The games are happening in Tokyo. And you're getting the commentary live here in UK. Same, same way. Hastinapur is where they're watching it in the palace and Kurukshetra is the battle in the same kingdom. Okay, so now we start the Gita, chapter one. Whoever has the book, here, now open it. So the first chapter is divided into six topics. We can see in the beginning, the gesture's question to Sanjaya, Duryodhana's betrays his vanity and fear, sound of conscience terrifies Gauravas, emotions overpower Arjuna. Arjuna tries to justify his false renunciation. Confounded and distressed, Arjuna collapses on the battlefield. 47 verses of chapter one. So we'll take up the first verse. So the way we're going to do this is that I will chant the verse first, and then we will do it for a second time, and you can all chant in your own minds aloud if, you're, if, your, neighbor, if your neighbor's okay with it. You can chant it yourself so that you get some idea of, you get the vibrations of this great philosophy. So, first verse. Tritrastra uvacha dharma shetre kuru shetre samaveta yuyutsavaha Mamaka Pandavas Jeva Kima Kurvata Sanjaya. Do it again. Chitrisha Uvacha Dharma Shetre Kuru Shetre Samaveta Yuyutsavaha Mamaka Pandavas Jeva. The translation of this verse is, Dhritarashtra said, Assembled on the sacred field of Kurukshetra, desirous to fight, what did the sons of Pandu and mine do, O Sanjaya? So he's asking his advisor, tell me what's going on. Dhritarashtra asked Sanjaya, hey, Sanjaya, what is going on at the battlefield? Tell me. So what we do now is that we take up, we decide with a philosophy now. This is what we do. All the people who've been to the classes for some time understand that we study philosophy here. So we will now 
see what philosophy is in this verse. So the first two words, words that start this verse is Dharma Shetre. Dharma Shetre and Kuruk Shetre. Shetre means field. Dharma means nature. Remember, we said Swadharma, one's own nature, Dharma. So Dharma, you can say, is being spiritual, religious, holy, a Dharmic person. Anyone who follows the path of Dharma is regarded as anyone? And you all know it, by the way. Dharmi. One who follows Dharma is known as a Dharmi. Kurukshetra means the field of conflict, which is where we are now. So, Dharma Shetra, Kurukshetra. A human is supposed to be a person who is following the path of good, who walks on the path of being spiritual, following the goal of perfection. But instead, we have fallen from this great state now in constant conflict within ourselves. We find ourselves constantly having to deal with stress, worries, anxieties. This is our life. Shetra, the field, represents our body. These good and bad traits are within us all, good and bad. See, what it means is when we have a choice of action, yeah, we're confronted with a choice of action. We choose based on selfishness rather than unselfishness. What can I get? We choose based on our desires, what our mind wants, rather than what is prescribed in the scriptures. So he's saying we've fallen from our original nature of being a spiritual, godly person to this materialistic, selfish person. So on one end is a self-realized person and the other is us. But we all have the potential in being a good person, potential of being a self-realized person. And by studying the Gita like we are doing, it has the ability to help us deal with life, bring us back on the path of righteousness. Dharma, to be able to restore us to that original state of our true personality. What is our true personality? All the people who come to classes, what is our true personality? What is our true personality? Meghna, what is our true personality? And we are the self, we are God. We are the self, we are God. I'm not this body, I'm not this mind, I'm not this intellect. I am the Atman, the self, the God principle. This state that we have forgotten. So the Gita helps us in all areas of our life. It tells us how to act based on Dharma. 
You can say it's a manual on how to live life. That's what the Gita is, a manual on how to live life. What shall I do? Pick up the Gita, it'll tell you what to do. Any issues you have, you open the Gita, you read one verse, you'll have clarity. This is the power of it. So the Pandavas, five brothers, represents the good within us. And the hundred Kaurava brothers represents the bad in us. You see the balance? With every five good thoughts we have, we get a hundred negative thoughts. That's the purpose of what that means. Every five good thoughts, we have hundred negative thoughts. That's what it represents. Do you see how just one verse, and we've not even come to the Krishna talking, just one verse of the Gita. If you understand this verse, you don't need to read anymore. You're, I am God. That's it. I understand that. You don't need to read any more of the Gita. Finished. Close the book. But we're not there. That's the problem. So we have to go through all of it. <laughs> You've got a few years to spend with me if you're serious. <laughs> okay. We'll do verse two and then let's pull it there. First of all, any questions on what we've just said? Sorry. On the first verse. Any questions from anyone? Any clarifications? Okay. So now Sanjaya replies to Dijitra's question. Dijitra said in the first um, verse, what's going on in the battlefield? Tell me, Sanjaya. Sanjaya uvacha dristvatu pandavani kam vyutram duryadana sada Acharya Mupasangam Ya Raja Vachanama Brave Sanjaya Vacha Dristpa to Pandabani Kam Vyudam Duryodana Seda Acharya Mupasangam Ya Raja And the translation is, Sanjaya said, Indeed, having seen the army of the Pandavas arrayed in battle, King Duryodhana then approached the teacher and spoke these words. So Sanjaya is responding to the Drishya's question in the first verse. He's telling him what's going on. Sanjaya has started his narration to Didrishtra. He said, King Duryodhana approached his teacher, Dronacharya. So Duryodhana approached his teacher, Drona, that taught him and his brothers and the Pandava brothers the art of fighting. And Duryodhana, he's got this egoistic complex. I am the king, even on the battlefront even though he's just a soldier. He goes to his guru with a superiority complex, not much respect for his elders, his gurus. And this is how he's behaving. Or, see, you've got to remember, Dronacharya was an ethical person. He doesn't want to fight this battle either. But in those days, 
you were loyal to the king. Whatever they said, whatever he said, you had to do. Remember in Bahubali, whoever seen Bahubali? Yeah. What's the Katapa? Uh, Katapa? He had to kill Bahubali. The queen said, kill Bahubali. Now, he brought up Bahubali in his, as a baby, as a child. He taught him everything. This is Drona's, this is how Drona fits in. He taught him everything. He was his best friend. And he had to go and kill Bahubali because the queen ordered it. This is exactly how it is. Dronacharya doesn't want to kill anyone, he doesn't want to fight, but he's loyal to the king. He has to do what the king says. So that's the end of verse 2, and this is where we stop. Any questions from anyone? Did everyone understand the backdrop as explained? Did, did it make sense? Good. I just want to add excellent introduction. Thank you. It's so like everyone gets a some idea people have, but I think if everyone is on the same place, then it's easier to understand the rest of the Gita, you see, because we're going to refer to many of these characters. Any other questions? So, Sil has a question. Um, so you were saying with every five positive thoughts we have, hmm. we probably have a hundred negative thoughts. Can everyone hear by the way, yeah? Yeah. The balance is really yeah. imbalanced. And we don't have Krishna there in front of us, guiding us as such. Um, so it seems like the hundred would definitely win over, and it's a constant battle hmm. without a physical Krishna in front of us guiding us. How can we always, I suppose, win the battle? Hmm. Any ideas? Anyone like to? Did everyone understand the question she asked? She said, for every five good thoughts, we have a hundred negative thoughts. How are we supposed to win? Krishna is not here to helping me. How can, how would you, what would you say to Sittal? Dharmesh, did you, did you want to say something? Yeah. Uh, that's where our intellect has to be strong. By passing it through our intellect. Yeah. Negativeness. Yeah, very good. Yeah, Kevil. I was going to say that, I mean, so Krishna might not be here physically, but he's here in the book, right? So we should be referring to that because that's the source of, of where we're getting our knowledge from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody else want to add anything? Nilam. I think um, you talk about morning study and, um, you know, Prepping up, it's like arming ourselves before we go out in the world and contacting the world and coming up against the problems. But it's that daily, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I think that would make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anybody else want to add anything? 
So, Nilam said morning study. You study Krishna's work in the morning. It will be an underlining for you. So whenever a negative thought comes, you remember, what did I learn this morning? He'll be there with you to show you the right, right way. to make the right decision. And you see, we're fortunate. We have five good thoughts, 100 negative, they're, they're saying, yeah? But we have this knowledge. And if we study this knowledge, then those five good thoughts will start increasing. Those negative thoughts will start decreasing. And if you carry on in time, you'll have more, you'll have a hundred positive thoughts and five negative thoughts. This is spiritual development. This is the path of self-development. Yeah, I'm also going back to all the things we've learned about when we identify with each person. We're looking at that person, uh, you elevate your thoughts and look at them as an Atma and who's got God component in them. And, you know, those are the things we learned. So trying to remember that in our daily action, it is, it is like I agree with Chito that it is difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but he's trying to always put, put to set the goal a little, thinking about it constantly through the day. What is our goal? What is our aim? What is our purpose to look at the mm -hmm. higher in everything and in everybody? And that's the thing we've been learning. Absolutely. It's staying on the path of righteousness, staying on the path of being, you know, following scriptures, making decisions based on the scriptures. We all know what is good and what is bad. There's no one here who doesn't know what's right and wrong. No one can put their hand up and say, I don't know what's right and wrong. So developing the intellect, absorbing this knowledge, it keeps you on the right path. When, when, the, in some, when a desire pops up in the mind, is it selfish or unselfish? Is it good or bad? Let the intellect think about it, decide, and then take the right course of action. And the more you study this subject, the greater that ability to choose right from wrong, you'll have that ability. And this is how it works. Great, I hope you enjoyed the first Gita class of many. So some of you have volunteered, a few of you have volunteered, to um, read in the following classes and I will um, send you a message next week and it will be mainly the commentary that we'll be reading. And as we go deeper into the Gita, we will start the Wednesday group discussion so that if anybody has any questions or clarifications, then we can take them up on the Wednesday. Yeah, as we go along, we'll do that. Great. Thank you for joining us. Have a lovely Sunday.